we are at the table yet again. And you might be listening to this before July 4th, or you might be listening to it during July 4th, maybe even after July 4th. But it's been a while since we've been able to record any of these type of meetings, if you will. Why? I don't know, we've just been busy. I mean, today we spent all day just acting like tourists in our own community, which I don't think most people get that opportunity. We weren't really acting like tourists. We were just being like tourists the local way. Yeah, exactly. By the way, this is Things My Wife Sends Me, where normally we talk about news stories. What do you mean normally? Is that what we're talking about tonight? Oh, what? Let uh, 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 just drop the piece of garlic. Hold on, let me help okay, you with I got that. It now. Okay, you got it? Yeah. All right, fine. All right, the garlic is safe. Yes. Bless you. Excuse me. Man, this is a great way to start. Yes. Oh, I left the tissue. I, I, I left the tissue yeah. in my other pocket. I gotta just keep talking. I'm, I'm trying to. So this will probably be a longer show unless we divide it up into multiple shows because we just haven't been able to talk in a while. Yeah. About anything. So... I guess we'll just make it a long show. Whatever you want. All right. <coughs> Bless Sorry, you again. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm not sure. <coughs> Sorry. I, I'm just waiting. It's okay. I mean, they could fast forward through this. What? Hold on. I just <coughs> want to make sure you're okay. So, while you get more tissues, I will introduce the first story that you actually sent me, which is a photo, and it's an interesting photo, it's a series of people playing pool with emojis. Mm, Yeah. 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 Like, they literally painted pool balls yellow. And painted faces onto the pool ball. I kind of thought they were saying that they were actually manufactured that way. Am I wrong? Uh, they actually have a picture. Oh, of course. They're making me restart the gallery. Mm. Let me see. I'm looking. Yeah, they actually have a guy that is painting it. And it shows a picture of that. Okay. The artist's name is Jean... Baptiste Le Develec. An intense name. Yeah. Along with Winnegrini, Joseph Davies, Sonali, Ranjit, and Juan Bam. <coughs> yeah. They decided to create a set of custom balls for a brand new pool table at their office. Okay. So... I don't know. The, the whole article's entitled Pool Moji Playing Pool Just Became Emotional. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it just shows them painting these balls. And it's kind of amusing seeing them set up on the table. So can I ask you what's so important about this article that we're talking about right now? 
What's so important about this article is that essentially it's gotten to the point in today's world that people can't write words. Uh-huh. Instead, they'll send you an emoji. Right. And that will be the entire conversation. Mm-hmm. That being said, I have learned that there are some members of the accessibility community, for example, that all they use is emojis mm-hmm. to talk to each other. Right. So... I guess the artist is trying to tell something. They didn't necessarily say what the reason is for this. But, I mean, as an artist, I know you don't tend to like modern art. Are you sure you're not just reading a little bit too much into this? Maybe. Okay. But that's what I'm saying. As an artist, you don't tend to like modern art. But this is... I don't know. I mean, this is unique. Yeah. It's different, because instead of just taking a pool ball and knocking into a bunch of numbers, you need to choose, are you going to use the pool ball that happens to have hearts for eyes, or the one that's crying, or the one with the cool sunglasses? Mm-hmm. I guess it's just weird that people need to express themselves so much in pool, though. I mean, I've never played pool, but... That that the need for self-expression is so great. You know what I mean? That it, it carries into a game of pool, which is something that typically doesn't necessarily have so much emotion displayed on the table. Right? In, in a way. I mean, I just thought it was interesting the way the art was put together, that yeah. the artist decided to, to do that. Then again, I mean, while we were walking today, we are noticing around our city that they're putting up all kinds of art installations like patterns. Yeah, it's really... I don't know. I mean, it it brightens up the area, but it's not really what you'd call a high level of art. There was a lot that I was seeing that just kind of depressed me a little bit. Like, there was a, a fountain that we walked by today that normally it jets water. Yeah. And essentially... It was jetting water. Well, yes. But in this case, it was now surrounded by, what was it, 12 art pieces? It was Zodiac sculptures. Yeah. I mean, they're made by a famous artist. They were well done. I think what just kind of freaked me out was, like, it's a fountain that typically attracts a lot of kids. And um, the sculptures were just kind of scary looking. Right. They were kind of intimidating, so... But that's that's just interesting. Is that lately people are trying to push art? As I think main... because it's been squashed from our society for so long. I mean, in school programs, it's kind of the first thing to go. But I don't think that sort of apologizing for it by putting it out in public like this is necessarily going to solve that. You have to take more action than that. You know what I mean? Right. All right. I I think we exhausted that topic. Yeah. So, speaking about emojis, mm-hmm. Facebook knows where you've been, and it's using it to suggest friends. Mm, I saw that. So, can you explain that a little more? Yes. So, let's say you attend because you happen to be an alcoholic, mm-hmm. an alcohol anonymous event. Right. Right. You don't mention your name to anyone. No one says their name to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. The way Facebook works is that if the two people 
are sharing a common GPS data point at any point during the day, then Facebook will recommend that those two people add each other as friends and suggest them as a friend. So as a result... Even if they don't know each other? Yet? Even if they don't know each other so, because Facebook notices they were in the same room, so they must have interacted at some point. So what about a place like Times Square? Let's use it. What do you mean? Times Square. Yes, a place like Times Square. Okay, so you're likely in Times Square to interact with... A, I mean, not interact, but you know what I mean? You're likely to run into a lot of people. Right, but this is the idea of sharing a GPS data point for a good period of time. Okay, if so you're... it's not just like you happen to pass somebody on the street, because that would get insane. No, it's not passing on the street, because that would take forever. Right. It's if you pass someone on the street, and you have maybe a 30-minute conversation. Okay. And both of you are literally part of the same GPS data point. Uh-huh. That's at least the theory. Mm-hmm. So they're recommending that, that people turn off their location settings in Facebook if you don't want these creepy recommendations. At the same time, you never know who Facebook might have you interact with and create a networking opportunity you never would have been able to achieve. Right. Because of these recommendations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh. Good luck tonight, am I? No, it doesn't I, seem that I, way. Thought I read you're not really supposed to break up the garlic very much. I mean, I'm gonna see how this is gonna work. Cause other vegetables I've fermented, I haven't had so much of an issue, even if they're chopped. And this is certainly more um, acidic than anything else I've worked with. But so it's more aggressive. No, I'm saying like I'm almost less concerned with this than I am with other things if I end up chopping it a little bit. Because you're fermenting the garlic. Well, because garlic is garlic. Right. It's very strong. It's not yeah. like, you know, fruit or something. Anyway, mm. I digress. Yeah, so Facebook didn't immediately respond to requests for comment. Mm -hmm. However, a company representative mentioned that location... Oh my gosh, what did I just drop what? I don't know. I just heard that. <laughs> something it's dropped. It's not going well. It's probably a piece of fruit. Yes, you're one of your kiwis. One of my kiwis. Go get it. Oh, hold on. I need to go get the kiwi. Okay. I just saved the kiwi. You realize he used to not like kiwis. We, we're not I supposed made, to talk. I made no, him like no. kiwis. Now well, he's obsessed with kiwis. Because you gave me a kiwi tool. Okay. So now I have a little toy to play with. That I can cut open the Typical kiwi guy, right? and then just use that tool. Yeah, I know. And then I can place it in my lunch. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's exciting. That is exciting. Okay. So where were we? Um, you were talking about Facebook and GPS signals. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So essentially, the comment that was given is that it's just considered one factor in an algorithm that the company uses to populate the people you may know section. Mm -hmm. The whole reason why this even became a conversation is because a parent that attended a gathering for suicidal teenagers said that Facebook suggested that he friend another parent who 
attended the same event, but had no interaction with at the event. Mm-hmm. Creepy. And so what, the guy's grateful that that happened? No, he's wow. creeped out. Okay. I didn't right. talk to this other parent. Right, right. And I went to a suicidal prevention mm-hmm. meeting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it, it was a gather, gathering for suicidal teens. Maybe right. their, their teenager had suicidal problems and someone else's teenager had that as well. Yeah. For whatever reason. Mm-hmm. It just takes out all the anonymity. Yeah. I, I can't even Because then the person, like, knows your name and knows what you're into. And just some circumstances, you really want to be left by yourself. Right. I mean, I like the idea of Facebook recommending people for me to talk with. But GPS data point seems a little strange. Yeah. It's, like, a little bit too much invading privacy. Right. At least that's the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The LGBT community is eyeing preschool children. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of scared us. Yeah. Not because preschool children like shouldn't be aware of this stuff, but it's kind of a situation where when they're at that age, they're still really figuring themselves out. And I think it kind of adds more confusion to that. Um, I think just the problem also is that you end up in a situation where some teachers are going to have very strong views on the subject and they, you might risk, you know, imparting those views to the kids. You know what I mean? Like there are just some people who feel very strongly about these things. So that's an issue. And, you know, and again, on the other side of the coin, if parents feel that the teachers are teaching their kids things that they're not comfortable with. Right. It's just, it can go a lot of ways. I mean, I, I do think that the subject should be addressed like you do, you know, in your curriculum. You um, cover a lot of different things, even if they're subcategories, you know, and if the kids ask you questions, you answer them by all means. Right. But the question is, is it healthy at that age to make an entire curriculum on it? That I'm not sure about. Right. Well, I mean, literally the website is queerkidsstuff.com. And um, an example they give is this guy who's a host talking to this teddy bear named Teddy Mm -hmm. and says, Hey, Teddy, you had a really good question for me yesterday. And then the teddy bear says, I heard someone say the word gay Mm -hmm. and ask, what does gay mean? So they then put it up on a blackboard and they say, well, gay means happy. Like if in recess, I felt happy, so I felt gay at recess. But most of the time when you hear gay in today's society, it means something else. And what they said is, is that gay means love. Mm It means when one gender of one gender loves someone of the exact same gender. So they're presenting this right in front of preschool. So they're saying, like, if a boy loves a boy. Yeah. Like, it could end up in a situation where, you know, kids who are just uh, confused about which word to use. Because I've dealt with kids like this, you know. um, Where they're trying to tell their friends that they like spending time with them. 
right? And then, you know, they end up kind of confusing their vocabulary or whatever, and that ends up being translated to them saying, like, I feel gay for you or something. And then that kid goes to their parent and asks about it. And next thing you know, it just, it goes in a circle. It goes back to the school. I mean, it's, I think it just opens a lot of um, room for troubles. Right. So they're, they're saying, like, like, if he wanted an example, he's like, well, let's say a teddy loves a teddy. Right. That also means gay. And then he asked the question, what does your family look like? In which Teddy responds back, well, my parents are two bears. Mm -hmm. And so the host then says, that's very different than what my family actually looks like. Mm -hmm. Because I have a mom and a dad, but I also have a stepmom and dad. You see, there can be differences in family. And that's all stuff that you commonly teach in curriculum. But that's why I'm saying, you know, you still teach it, but you don't make it the entire subject of your lesson. You know, your lesson is going to be about different kinds of families. I mean, I've done this stuff before. You know, it's you're talking about the step-parent. You're talking about the kid who lives with their grandparents or whatever, right? And on and on and on. Right. And, you know, families of the same gender is just another category and all that. And it does need to be addressed, but it doesn't need to be an entire week unto itself. Right, so they went and they gave examples of there are families that have many moms and dads, mm -hmm. and they're all a family. There are ones with two dads, two moms, just a mom, just a dad. Like, literally, right. they've gone through now all these things, and then they ask the question for the homework assignment of what does your family look like? Right, this is all very standard curriculum. Is it? Yes, I've dealt with that curriculum before. It's very, it's something they encourage you to talk about. But th that's my point. You know, I'm not saying you shouldn't talk about all that. It's very, very necessary to talk about it. But, um, you know, dwelling on any particular part of those structures completely is another issue. Right. Like, let's say, for example, you have one kid whose father is in jail. Yeah. Right? And I've had that, you know, discussion with... Um, with curriculum planning as well. Like, you know, you maybe you read a book about it during the week, right? You're saying, you know, some, some people can't see their daddies or something. Or, you know, if, if you need to provide that book as a resource for that particular kid, you do. But you don't make the entire week about kids whose dads are in jail. Yeah. Because before you know it, that kid's going to be feeling extremely uncomfortable. So even though this is one online show... The main fear is, is that very soon, if the program works out, they are going to make it mandatory in various states in the U.S. that preschoolers must watch and participate in the activities presented. Yeah. It's going to get very confusing. Yeah. I think there are also so many demands already on preschool teachers and classrooms and I think just adding more to that is not such a good thing. I mean, you have so much you need to cover over the course of the year and, you know, not just that, you know, sort of standard curriculum things, but meeting the needs of the kids in your classroom. You know, and maybe you don't have kids in your classroom who need that stuff, you know, depending on the classroom. So it, it's really a case where you need to tailor what you're doing to who you're working with. Right. Not ignoring all this other stuff, but 
it just adds another requirement to schedules that are already too busy. And, and the worst part is they're saying kids don't naturally buy into anything at yeah. all. They actually have to be brainwashed. Yeah. So they're saying because of the acceptance of homosexuality and homosexual marriages, they're claiming that that was brainwashing that took place in preschool. What do you mean? That people are were brainwashed to accept it? To accept homosexuality and homosexual marriages. Yeah. So, as a result, the majority of adults that are age 18 to 29 are very much into supporting homosexuality because that's just natural because of the brainwashing that took place in preschool. I agree, but I also have to say that I think that depends on the teacher. I mean, I think kids at that age are more naturally susceptible to that than, you know, at other ages. But I think also when the teacher is not giving them the opportunity to make their own opinions. Right. But, but you know, I've been in classrooms where the teacher literally will, like, tell the kid that their opinion is wrong, which is absolutely disgusting, but it happens. But they're also saying this propaganda actually began in the 1990s. I can see that. You mean propaganda to educate about this stuff? To educate about this stuff. Yeah. Which is why that the parent generation is not able to have a conversation with the younger generation due to whatever is <laughs> being taught in the classroom. Uh-huh. So no matter where you are on the side of it, the question is, should kids just be allowed during preschool to play and figure out their world without being told what the world is supposed to be. In my personal opinion, absolutely. I think kids learn a lot through free play, and I think that they don't get enough of it in schools, which is really a shame. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously that needs to be reinforced by books and talking and everything like that, but I think that just, you know, when they play, you know, what they say is that they end up, you know, playing out a lot of situations that they're experiencing in their day-to-day life. And that's just a way for them to digest all that stuff. Yeah. Right? So, you know, if somebody, like, you know, stepped on their hand at home or something, they might be, you know, playing out the situation of going to the doctor and having their hand looked at. Yeah. Right? And that's how they're digesting that situation. You know, they're able to get through it. Um, So that's why play is so important. But they're not going to really have the same full experience just because they're kids, you know. In a class discussion. Yeah. But maybe, you know, reading a book about somebody who, you know, hurt their hand and fixed it will help them. But that's not going to be the end of it. Right. You know, they, they really need to just play it out. Yeah. Anyway, that's my opinion on it. Yeah. And I have seen it work. Yeah. Going on to Brexit. Mm, yeah. <laughs> there's more accusations of xenophobic attacks after the vote has happened. Yeah. Yeah, so there's been a 57% rise in hate crime complaints in the past four days. I have to say with with this whole thing, I really think that this country, the United States, should be paying very close attention to this and trying not to repeat the same situation in the upcoming election. I think that this is something that is really demonstrating to us what can happen if a country decides to take a dramatic move. It's like, you know, going back to children's books, the ones that are like about the kids who beg for no rules. Teacher takes away all the rules, and then everything turns into chaos, and before you know it, the kids want the rules back. 
Right. It's the same thing. It's a human thing. Uh, but I, I think that this country should really learn from this and that people should pay very close attention before considering who they're voting for. Right. <clears throat> I mean, li- me. people are taking the attitude of, yes, we won, now send them back. Hmm. What do you mean? Well, because immigration was a key uh, aspect of the campaign. Uh-huh. And many of the Leave voters didn't like the idea that the EU was forcing them to accept migrants. Right. So, it's kind of crazy that this happened. Yeah, well, <clears throat> people get very worked up about this stuff, about migrants. But and, it's just a reality, again, of human life. People yeah. move around. Right. And, you know, the question is whether everybody is paying their fair share. I don't know if they're dealing with the same sort of, like, illegal immigration situation that we're dealing with here. You know, in that situation, I really do think that people should be contributing to society. But people are going to shift around the world. Just because you've lived in one place doesn't mean, you know, you're going to be living in that place for 10 generations. It just doesn't work that way. Uh, even an example, American woman said she was recently accosted by people calling her a Yankee blank yeah. in the parking lot. Uh-huh. And that... People are getting taunted and just all kinds of problems. I I really think that people should pay attention to this for the upcoming election because I'm seeing the same things that I've thought were going to happen, which is, you know, the people immediately turning against the so-called other. It's something that has happened many times throughout history, repeatedly. This is nothing new. And... Once the door is open, it's a Pandora's box. You know, you start talking against one ethnic group. Before you know it, everybody who's a so-called outsider is going to be in that position. We, we even experienced it ourselves, just trying to walk to synagogue, essentially, with some guy that just happened to decide to look in all directions, saw us coming, and just literally kept up pace with us. Well, he was looking for people to target, but it wasn't just that. I mean, that's not so... That's creepy, but it's not so creepy. He was he has headphones, and he's been, like, spreading, you Trump know... Trump supporting... Not, not mm. just Trump supporting, but, you know, basically hatred. Yeah. Just pure hatred. So we have seen a lot more of that, you know, especially with the primaries, with people kind of yelling into phones about how much they love Trump. And then we would hear them say, you know, I've never voted before or, you know, like, I mean, literally having no idea what's going on, but they're drawn into the aura of this character. I just think we need to pay close attention. It's just amazing how many people that they show on TV who voted to leave and are now waking up the next day realizing that they killed their country. Right. And, but and, that's the thing, all this stuff is serious, you know, it's not a game show. Right. You know, we really can't be voting for somebody just because they're entertaining. You know, it's nice for a short term, but the reality is that these are bigger things. These are, you know, whether you will be able to keep your home and your sanity and on and on. And, and I'm not a pollster myself, but when, when I was watching, uh, I believe it was C-SPAN, they were broadcasting some things from the BBC... But literally, they were reporting that most of the elder generation actually voted to leave. Right. 
And when we kind of like, expected it to be the opposite way. Right. Everybody expected it to be the opposite way. The younger generations wanted to stay right. in the EU mm-hmm. because they saw their future would mm-hmm. be in trouble if they didn't stay. Right. And that's already happening. Article 51 hasn't been enacted yet, so that's... Remind me again, my sizzled brain, what Article 51 is. Yes, uh, Article 51, for those that don't know, once the leaving country decides that they want to leave, they have to go to the EU and present Article 51, which is a letter that states their intention to leave. Mm -hmm. Once that letter is presented, it starts off a two-year conveyor belt, if you will. That's what I've heard the media refer to. Mm -hmm. That does not stop, and you can never go backwards. Mm -hmm. And once that two years is up, you're out of the EU. During that two-year period of time, that's when the leaving country has to make all negotiations Mm -hmm. with all the other members of the EU. Which you said was like 27 countries. I think there are 27, which means 27 separate agreements have to take place. In addition, Britain is now going to have to look through all the rules that they've been put through by the EU and decide within their own parliament what they're going to keep and what they're going to take out. And if they negotiate a deal with one of the countries, let's say, and it becomes a case that the EU itself doesn't necessarily like the deal, they could force the hand of that other country to not necessarily accept the deal. But essentially, the EU has mentioned that Britain isn't going to get off scot-free and they're going to be stuck with rising costs with imported goods. Right. And, um, I mean, two questions. Have they signed Article 51 yet? No. Britain refuses to sign Article 51. David Cameron, who is the current prime minister who has mentioned that he is going to leave Mm -hmm. uh, the office, is making it the business of whoever is going to take his place to dictate when Article 51 is happening. The EU has never had a country enact Article 51. Right. So everybody is watching how this process works. So the EU is going to want to make this hurt as much as possible. So my second question is, did people know that all of this economic mess was going to happen? Probably not. Mm -hmm. Because all they were advertised with was that um, th- that the EU is taking away um, money from Britain that has to pay the EU for all kinds of different uh, <laughs> membership dues and other items, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Et and the sad part is at the end of the day, they're probably going to have to pay even more they were paying to the EU because they're no longer part of the club if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, The EU itself is trying to look through its laws right now and um, trying to determine if that referendum vote that has taken place with Britain, if that's considered a public acknowledgement of Britain leaving. Mm -hmm. And as a result, that 
technically Article 51 has been enacted since the results of the vote was announced to the world. Yeah. But they have yet to force that, but they are letting Britain know that if they're going to leave, leave now. Mm-hmm. Like, you guys are already out. Start leaving. Such a mess. Right. And Cameron is getting a lot of pressure of leaving immediately. Mm-hmm. Not just resigning in... Yeah, normal process. Normal process of resignation. Mm-hmm. Of just immediate leaving of the party. You know, it's, it's so funny because I always think of Britain as, as such a, um, you know, even an even-keeled country. Right. As sort of the more normal and dignified of the countries, you know, over there. Right. So this this really took me by surprise. I mean, I don't think I was paying so much attention to the fact that it was happening until it kind of happened. I think everybody was like that. Yeah. No one cared. They well, it wasn't realize. that I didn't even care. I, like you said, I didn't realize. But that's what I'm Nobody saying. Nobody was talking about it. You know, it's not like I'm reading um, British newspapers every day or living there or anything to know. Right. Yeah. It's just kind of one of those... But But it's not even something you would recognize. I mean... Literally, the first few days after the vote took place, the stock market went down so badly. Yeah. It was not healthy to look at. Right. I mean, the good, the good news is, is now it's starting to recover. Mm-hmm. It hasn't recovered all of its money. Yeah. But there might be a case where America's realizing, okay, it's going to be fine. But the problem is... A lot of employers are picking up from Britain and are going across the border to another area that's part of the EU. Right. As a result, a lot of British people are losing their jobs. Mm -hmm. In addition, their EU citizenship, however you want to call that, membership... Uh, no longer grants them the ability to cross borders. Yeah. They now have to have a passport and visa. Mm-hmm. And it's going to cause a lot of hardship. This thing just sounds like a mess. Yeah. And families are going to be broken up, et cetera, et cetera, from this. Mm-hmm. Unless they can make negotiations in two years. Mm-hmm. The level of negotiations they have to make in two years is crazy. Right. It's not well, Never mind time. level, level. It's just the idea of making negotiations. I mean, you see how long things take. Well, they're also saying the Leave Party was not prepared to... Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Was not... Was not prepared. I was just wondering where that went. No, I got it. Okay, all right. Was not prepared to actually leave the EU. So... Great, they won, and they're saying, okay, let's declare this a bank holiday and call it our Independence case, Day. It's a classic case where people want something to celebrate. You know, they want something to feel fired up on, and when it actually happens, they realize it was a big mistake. Well, they're, re- they're going to realize it when they get hit in the grocery store and all kinds of other places. And people don't really think outside themselves so much. Yeah. <clears throat> Rhode Island is... Going to require high Holocaust studies. 
and genocide education. also like Michigan or something doing that? Michigan is email. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, yep. they're not requiring very much. And I think they're requiring you to just have the option open. Right. I mean, it's a start. I, fr I frankly think it should just be required, period. Because these kinds of things are too at risk for happening again, which is very sad. <clears throat> right, so that's something... Especially that... seeing all these other things that are happening in the world right now that are, you know, I never thought would happen. Right. You know, I always grew up kind of thinking and maybe hoping idealistically that people learn from history, but I'm seeing that that was not the case now. Because I think with these elections that are happening, I mean, you would think if people had learned from history, they would be thinking back to those other times in history where, um, you know, where, where people made similar decisions. Yeah. You know, they kind of put their eggs all in one basket, so to speak. All their, their faith all in one leader, and look what happened. No, they definitely, <clears throat> they definitely did. I mean, that's... Yeah. That's just what's happening. Right. Yeah, but but yeah, I think you're right. It's uh, Michigan as well. Mm -hmm. That's doing that. Uh, it's just so much going on. Yeah. And speaking of Trump. Oh gosh. The experienced GOP strategists are unwilling to work with him. Yeah. Yeah. Which doesn't really surprise me, but it in a disgusting way, kind of makes me wonder where all this is going to go. You know, like, is he just going to kind of slide into first place um, behind everybody's backs, essentially? Mm. You know, because everybody's taking their hats out of the ring. So is he going to be met with any opposition? Well, that's not necessarily what this is about. Okay. This is more about that the normal Republican operatives... Yeah that go out there and campaign for the candidate mm -hmm. who, of the Republican nominee, whoever it is. Not it could be it. Mitt Romney, it could be right. Bush, or name anybody, are not going to work for Trump, mm -hmm. period. End of story, they can't do it. So we'll have his own guys do it. Right, but the idea is his own guys that are doing it are not people that are trained in... Yeah, but look at everybody right now. The people who are liking him are not people who are familiar with this process anyway. Mm. And if he can train his own people to brainwash people, then he's going to end up being more successful anyway. Right. I mean, that's pretty morbid, but I'm just saying it's essentially handing over all the power to him. Right. Where, where they could have otherwise had influence. I'm not saying they should stand up for the guy. They really shouldn't. But um, it's, it's just essentially throwing everything back at him for him to do as he pleases with. It's giving him full control. They're giving an example. Uh, 150 of Ted Cruz's top aides mm -hmm. were encouraged by Trump's team to apply for positions after Cruz quit the race. Yeah. And... Even though they're still unemployed, those aides are refusing to work for him. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Which is unusual because normally what happens is a lot of these people that worked in the campaigns during the primaries, even if their candidate loses, ends up working with whoever becomes the nominee. Right. Because 
what tends to happen is is that those primary members will use their staff mm-hmm. to help whoever the nominee is for the GOP. Right. Yeah. It's just kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. But um, instead... They're going to work on other races like mayor, governor, congressman, mm-hmm. senator, but not president. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and just literally, there's craziness always happen in the world. For example, Dunkin' Donuts... There was a person in Massachusetts, of course, that accidentally dropped their tray of donuts on the floor. Manager. And they happened to be a manager. Put the donuts back on the tray. This is the second time this has happened, where they've dropped donuts and Mm -hmm. put them back on the tray. And... They actually sold those donuts to customers. And now Dunkin' Donuts has to deal with this. I mean, this stuff happens. It's not right. But it does happen. I, I think the greater concern is that people who are in, you know, the so-called highest position in the place, the responsible position, are not being responsible. That they're not sort of holding to the standard of cleanliness. Yeah. Because there are standards of cleanliness in those restaurants. I mean, I've worked in, you know, food shops before. Yeah. Speaking of workplaces, a judge ordered the NYPD to pay a Muslim officer who sued over a beard. Yeah. And... Because it was, like, sort of against... I. I think actually it was because he wouldn't be able to get his helmet on or something. Wouldn't be able to get a gas mask. Okay, right, right. Is the quote-unquote idea. But because the gas mask has to fit tightly across the face. Right. Um, But beards are allowed for religious members up to one millimeter in length. And it was too long. And it was too long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because it just became a case where the officer was actually escorted out of the building, lost their weapon, their badge, etc. because of this. It's just so wrong. Yeah. And didn't they eventually apologize? Uh, not necessarily. Like he got his job back? Well, he's getting paid. Okay. Yeah. But essentially, the judge referenced a November 2013 ruling that took place, which was concerning an Orthodox Jewish officer that sued the department after the officer was forced out because he insisted... On keeping his one-inch beard. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. 
And I mean, these, you know, lifestyle choices aren't really choices if you're religious. You're just going to do it right the way it is. And if somebody is trying to contradict that, you can't really change anything. Right. So Occupational Health and Safety Administration regulations require that an annual fit testing needs to take place and they prohibit respirators for any employees with facial hair. Uh-huh. But at the same time, there's got to be some techie out there that can solve this problem. I'm sure it'll happen. Yeah. I mean... It's crazy that people have managed to innovate so many other things and they haven't managed to innovate such simple things like this, certainly, yeah. so to speak. It'll happen. I mean, when things come up there and there's a need for it, people address it. We have a mean governor that's threatening to haul food stamp program because of a sugar crackdown. Well, because people were spending all their food stamps on sugar. Right. I think, though, the people who are in that group, you know, are possibly not as educated about healthy food, right? Right. I mean, that's kind of an issue that they're dealing with. But, you know, if they're trying to teach people how to... um, you know, make their money stretch further, they should probably teach about this. Teach about healthy cooking, you know, within a budget, because it is completely doable. The governor was mentioning to Obama that he is threatening to move to ban food stamp recipients in his state from buying sugary sweets with taxpayer money. And if... Obama will not listen to and accept that ban. He will halt the program entirely and not accept any money for food stamps, meaning food stamps is not available in Maine. Mm -hmm. And Obama shot down the request for the waiver to institute the ban on candy and sugary drinks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. it's I think the the idea is that, you know, the food stamps and such are in existence to help people get back on their feet. Mm-hmm. Eating candy and sugar is not going to help you get back on your feet. It's going to cause you further health problems. Right. It's going to make you, you know, less self-sustaining over time. Yeah, the governor's asking a question to, to Obama's administration. Why are they policing the menus of the K-12 cafeterias? Mm-hmm. But they look the other way when they're financing a steady diet of Mars bars and Mountain Dew. Well, they're probably right. They're probably being you know paid off through these food companies. Number one, number two, like I said, educating people that just takes so much more energy. Right. Then they'd have to make programs for that, and they don't have money for that. They're saying the main taxpayer witness the purchasing of candy and soda every day in the grocery store and they're sick and tired of watching their tax money go down the drain. Right. Yeah. I mean, I can see it. Mm. Hmm? Yeah. It, yeah. It's an interesting fight. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that one turns out. Hmm. See, I love this one. An Alabama firefighter 
helped the teen remove the giant Barney costume head. Oh, I was wondering if you saw that. I love that one. It's so wrong. Yeah, firefighters were asked to remove a Barney head from a teen. From yeah. I thought the funniest thing was sort of the comments I was seeing online where people were like, you know, well, if the thing was made out of foam, why didn't somebody just like get scissors and cut it open? Well, because... I mean, maybe, maybe that's just too... Maybe it wasn't so simple as that, but... Well, no. Well, I mean, the kids started feeling sick. Yeah. Um, so they kind of had to figure it out fast. They had to figure it out fast. Okay. And... Yeah. 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 So the, the worst thing is, is that... Um, Parents were called up the fire department asking if they could help with this dilemma that was taking place. Yeah. And um, this was because they were having a spend the night over at the church party. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, the girls spotting the Barney head that the pastor bought several years ago for whatever reason. Right. Decided to put it on to scare her friends when they saw her. Uh-huh. So she was up to no good. Well, innocent, no good, but yeah. But she kind of got what she deserved there. Uh, the The best part is, is that when she started feeling sick, the parents called the fire department, asked and help with the dilemma, but the p- parents didn't want the fire department to come down with sirens blazing. Right, because that would have been embarrassing. Yes. Right. However, the emergency personnel said that they had to use sirens... If they had, if they were going to respond to the home. Right. They had to. Mm-hmm. So, being told this over the phone, her friends and a couple of parents went down to the actual fire station. Mm-hmm. So what, they walked her down as Barney costume? Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. So they said, said so like... I wonder what would have been more embarrassing. Right. So, I guess that just depends where they So live, they but... marched the kid Ugh. with a Barney head. You'll probably never wear a costume again. To the fire station. Uh-huh. And they, they said that the, at the fire station they couldn't help but laugh while the group was scurrying into the station. Right. When they walked in, we couldn't help but start laughing. Mm-hmm. We tried our best to be professional, and she was distraught, but we just had to giggle. It was impossible not to. Crazy. And they said the firefighters at first couldn't help out because the head was on so tight and the girl was so tiny that when they tried to lift the head off the girl, the girl would lift off the ground. Uh Uh-huh. The only way they could solve this is that they made cuts to the back of the head, which relieved some of the pressure and allowed Darby to be removed from the head. Right, but going back to the beginning of this whole story, what was a Barney's head doing in a church? <laughs> that that think... just doesn't sound right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, Barney... Like, what was a pastor doing with a Barney suit? That's a wonderful question. Just, just say. That's the part that got to me, too. Oh, yay, another Trump story. 
employees have to keep quiet because it's legally required. Oh, yeah. That's a problem. I hate that. In other words, Trump employees. Right. Because, you know, if they should say anything about what's going on, they'll get fired. It's so wrong because, like, you know, you see that kind of thing going forward in the government. And they already are, you know, they'll, they'll crack down on whistleblowers and people who try to tell the truth about things. Right. For ethical reasons. Like, you know, you imagine if he's doing something extremely unethical and nobody's allowed to say anything for the sake of their jobs. So I mean, ju- you know, and if he's so into the idea of, you know, punishing anybody who does anything he disagrees with, there's going to be trouble. So here's some proof. 2013. Trump had a Miss Universe pageant, mm-hmm. and they asked for and won $5 million judgment against a former contestant of the pageant, which was an accusation of disparaging the event by claiming that the event is rigged. Mm-hmm. And the only reason why... The contestant lost is because of the fine print on the contract, Mm -hmm. which stated that participants couldn't do or say anything that would bring a public disrepute, ridicule, contempt, or scandal that might otherwise reflect unfavorably on Trump or a list of businesses that are associated with the pageant. Yeah. And because they signed that paper and didn't find a way to get their lawyers to cross it out or whatever, technically, Trump is in the right. The judge awarded $5 million from that contestant's bank. Crazy. Yep. See, that's what scares me. It's dictatorship stuff. Yeah. This kind of behavior. And nobody's paying attention to it either. He he tried again in 1996 suing Barbara Cochran from Shark Tank for comments that she made to a New York magazine saying that Trump violated a confidentiality agreement. A New York appellate court decided to rule against Trump in this case. Mm-hmm. But in 1992... Trump sued ex-wife Ivana for $25 million, claiming she violated the non-disclosure portion of the couple's divorce decree. I think that the more, you know, that suing people just comes to be an excuse. It's not such a good thing. Mm -hmm. It's happened more and more in the past several years than it used to, and I think it's made everybody extremely, um, what did you say, like agitated. Yeah. You know, overly cautious. And in, in a not-so-good way. Well, well, the problem is Ivana wrote a book called For Love Alone. Yeah. Which did not mention Trump's name or Ivana's name or anything. Yeah. But Trump claimed that the book is based upon the couple's marriage. So literally, Trump is saying, read this book, you'll understand what happened in our marriage. Right. Ivana Trump actually countersued over other parts of the divorce agreement, forcing a 1993 settlement of differences mm-hmm. because of all the suing back and forth Yeah, that took place. It's pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. 
And uh, speaking about what we were talking about earlier with preschoolers, a mom is breaking down after watching a toddler practice a lockdown trail at home. Yeah, that was really sad. I think, again, that goes back to the fact that kids translate things that they're trying to understand into their play. Yep. You know, and that's essentially what this little girl was doing. The mother was just, like, sad to see that, you know, that she was having to reenact this kind of stuff. Yeah, a girl was, the little girl is literally standing on the lid of the toilet, holding one hand against her heart and the other hand against the wall. Right. And the parent asks, what are you doing? Why are you standing on the toilet? And her daughter replied back, during lockdown, you have to be really quiet. Mm -hmm. That was it. Yeah. Right. Sad. So, yeah, the, in the school they say that the drill is all about someone that is not supposed to be in the building. Right. But yet is in the building. Right, but kids know. They don't say that there's guns. Right. But the older kids understand. Right. I mean, you understand that something is wrong and something is scary, even if you're never talking about it. As a result, there were more than 11,000 shares with 7,000 likes, and... As in everybody's kid is doing this? No, no, no. To the post that she Uh put on Facebook or wherever she posted it. Yeah. Yeah, it was on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Uh, She had a note of politicians, take a look. This is your child, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, and future generations to come. They will live their lives growing up in this world based on your decisions. They're barely three, and they're hiding in bathroom stalls standing on top of toilet seats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 She also said the innocence that I thought my three-year-old possessed is gone. Right. Yeah. And the parent hopes that she woke people up with the picture. I mean, I don't know if necessarily the innocence is gone from the child. No, it's not. It's just the idea that a three-year-old is worrying about these things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, in many cases, you know, you can't protect kids from everything, okay? Like, kids need to understand what's going on on, on some level. You know, they, they need to understand it. You can't block everything from them. But, um, you know, I, I think that in this country, we're so used to things being so simple. Right. That when all of a sudden they're not, it's like a giant wake-up call. Not saying that any of this is excusable. You know, people shouldn't be running around with guns and such. Yeah. I don't know. It's just crazy. Yeah. Oklahoma governor suspends use of controversial card readers. Yeah. Wait, explain. That was very vague. It is kind of vague. Okay. Um, The Oklahoma State Police used to have a program where they could use scanner technology to detect counterfeit credit cards. Okay. Uh, This is, uh, we just ended up in a little bit of fraud ourselves. Mm -hmm. No one stole anything, so everything's safe because I was able to catch it fast enough. But essentially, I have the credit card with me, so we think maybe the credit card was skimmed. We don't know. Right. 
But anyway, they're saying that it allows cops to empty out bank accounts of law-abiding citizens because they have access to this material mm -hmm. of scanner technology. Right. Yeah. So... The Oklahoma Highway Patrol was given the devices so that they could freeze and seize money that has been loaded onto prepaid debit cards by drug traffickers with the potential of $8,000 per scanner. Mm -hmm. And some people support the program which has only been around for six weeks, saying it's an important tool for law enforcement agencies to interrupt the flow of illegal drugs into Oklahoma. But the company supplying the machines get a percentage of all seized assets. Interesting. Right. Now, because of that arrangement, there's now an incentive for abuse of the law by police and prosecutors. Mm -hmm. Because now there's an infringement of Fourth Amendment prohibition of unreasonable search and seizure. And in addition, the police department itself gets to stuff their wallets with cash from potential innocent civilians. Mm -hmm. Because you are innocent until proven guilty. Right. Yeah. Wrong. Yeah, so right now they're saying suspending the devices are important because they don't necessarily under the, <clears throat> understand the full potential of what these devices do. Mm -hmm. um, along with that, the company that manufactures the device, they are promising 7.7% of all money forfeited using the machines. Mm -hmm. So as a result, a private company is profiting from this drug money. Yeah. Uh, and this isn't the only state to do it. There are 25 other states that are actually have a program mm -hmm. like this. Oh. But I don't know. It's be interesting. Because mm -hmm. Oklahoma counties on this program are taking in millions of dollars a year. Mm -hmm. So... Where's the fine line? Is it like, yay, we're disrupting the drug but money? But who else or... is going to do it? The government doesn't have any money for this kind of stuff. Right. You know? Yeah. Not that that, you know, is an excuse, but really. I, I don't even know what side of the coin I even feel yeah. on this. I mean, I don't like skimmers, period. Right. At the same time, I mean, I'm gl glad that drug traffickers are getting killed mm -hmm. at the same time I don't know if I want police officers having full access to skimmers that give an incentive to the department right or to the company that builds the skimmers mm -hmm. like I'm okay with them seizing the money but I'm not okay with the percentages yeah I don't know a little different. Mm -hmm. Eco-friendly dry cleaners, are they really safe? Mm -hmm. That kind of surprised me because everybody says they're green cleaning. It's the same with all of this stuff. I mean, I don't know what their regulations are, but it's kind of like the whole thing with natural. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. 
And, you know, you see so many companies that advertise themselves as natural and their stuff is really not natural. Right. At all. Right. So they're saying that the State Pollution Prevention Institute, I didn't even know there was a State Pollution Mm. Prevention Institute, is encouraging people to engage in wet cleaning, Mm -hmm. which is little known treatment that's been around since the 1900s. Unlike washing clothes in a traditional machine or by hand, a professional wet cleaner uses water that's pre-mixed with a biodegradable cleaner so the pure H2O particles never absorb into the fibers. Mm. Uh, Some complain, though, that it shrinks structured fabrics. Mm. But the EPA is mentioning wet cleaning is a more environmentally preferable technology to dry cleaning. Mm Mm-hmm. I never even heard of a wet cleaning shop. No, Everybody says it's dry cleaning, dry cleaning. Right. But if that's what the State Pollution Prevention Institute is saying, then I, I don't know. I, I don't even know where to begin with that, though. Mm-hmm. Where, where do I go? Do I the question Google? is, who do you trust? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, everybody wants a piece of the pie. In this case, I don't trust anyone. Yeah. Just feeling that. Oh, here we go. Yes. Watch out for your mother. Okay. Missionaries are becoming more bold. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So first we probably have to explain what a missionary is. I think most people know what missionaries are. Really? You always have me explain things. Yeah, but this is something I think a lot of people experience. Really? I would say. I mean, it's a fair enough, um, not fair enough, like a you know, big enough part of the culture, hmm. so to speak. I think a lot of people have interacted with them on one level or another. As people try to encourage other people to convert to their religion. Right, so... For good reasons or bad reasons. So what what the problem is, is that these, these missionaries are actually going to older members of society. Right. And are saying, if you convert, <clears throat> then I will pay for your medicine. Yeah. And some are being told that the conversion ceremony they're going to is a concert of their favorite musician. Mm-hmm. And they're all excited to go to a concert of their favorite musician, not realizing... Because as they get up in age, they just don't understand what's happening, right. that they're being converted. Right. So wrong. Right. And these missionaries are receiving a lot of money and tools so that they can take care of neglected mothers. They didn't necessarily say fathers. But the fascinating part is that before missionaries targeted daughters, and it seems like they're now going on to mothers. Mm-hmm. <coughs> I don't know if that's a society thing. I don't know whoever's if that's... more vulnerable. I guess. Well, but why were daughters more vulnerable? Because before? like mothers were stronger, more um, stronger-minded, whereas daughters were, you know, getting. 
married right after, you know, high school or college or whatever, right? Yeah. You know, they were probably more naive, if you want to say. At that case. Yeah. I mean, it's different in that, that regard. Mm-hmm. I think also people in the younger generation, in large parts, aren't as involved with religion at all as they used to be. So they don't even care. Right. So they know how to save these missionaries of get out of here. Right. I would assume. Either that or, you know, they don't have enough time for it anyway. Yeah. Even if they were interested. Mm. Just let everybody be. Yeah. That's the summary. Let everybody be. New York Senate okays a proposal to curb illegal Airbnb listings. I don't know if I'm necessarily happy about that. Because it's illegal in New York to rent out your place. Is that right? Temporarily. It's illegal to rent out an apartment for less than 30 days. Okay. So essentially, if you want to sublet for more than 30 days, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But you can't... Rent for less than 30. Yeah. Right. So. Well, but think about it. New York is a city. At least not New York. Right. You know, New York has New York City. If you have people who are, you know, staying a day here and there, I think you're a lot more likely to end up with so-called sketchy people. Then you are somewhere else. That's not their reasoning. What's their reasoning? Their reasoning is is because they uh, end up losing out on a lot of uh, tax money from the hotel mm. industry. Yeah, I can see that too. Because New York is run by the hotels. Yeah. And if the hotels are threatened, then that's a problem. So right. if someone, so you have a right to do Airbnb for more than thirty days. Mm-hmm. So okay. Come spend a month yeah. in this place. Right. You can do that. But you can't do less. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just seems like more trouble. But also think about it. I mean, when, with these places that are in cities or college dorms, um, if somebody's going to give out their room or whatever for a day at a time... Everybody else in that building or apartment has to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but I've lived in places where people are very transitional like that, and it gets very stressful very quickly. Yeah. You know, you have no control over who's walking into your space. You don't know what they're going to do. You don't know, like, it. you know, even if they're staying in somebody else's room or apartment, you know, if you go out for the day, you know, are all your things going to still be there when you come back? You would hope. I mean, I lived in a place a while ago where... Um, you know, my roommates came and went fairly frequently because they were, you know, exchange students. But there was this one time where there was this girl who came in and, you know, didn't end up saying it didn't work out. But, you know, she was in there all of a sudden and, like, my toothbrush went missing. Okay? <laughs> my toothbrush went missing. She stole my toothbrush. It's your toothbrush. Right. That's but that's the... what happens when you have people who, you know, you don't know who are just rotating through your space. Mm. I mean, anything can happen. That's disgusting. Not saying everybody's like that, but it was very awkward for me. <laughs> okay. Yes. 
It's different when your husband uses your toothbrush versus this random stranger. I know, but anyway, my point is that in these situations, you're dealing with, um, you know, other people. Mm. It's not just your space. Yeah. And when other people start coming into that space because somebody else who lives near you or with you has decided to rent out their room or whatever, you know, you are left without rights, basically. Mm. You see the problem. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like it. No. Looks like drag racing has led to a possible speed limit being lowered all across Boston to 20 miles per hour. Yeah. Which hasn't happened yet, right? I don't believe so. But a person walking on Beacon Street was hit in March. Yeah, this has happened a lot. Yeah, when one car involved but in a I drag race say, jumped the curb. I have to say, though, like, lowering the speed limit, especially in a place like this, we're already going pretty slow. Yeah. You know, I think people are likely to get frustrated and, you know, end up paying less attention and, mm-hmm. you know, crashing more. More crashing always happening. Well, when you're frustrated, right? If, yeah. if you're driving as monotonous, you're more likely to kind of lose control. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think that's the backwards part about when they always try to lower speeds. I'm not saying that people should be driving fast. I'm just saying that it opens up almost more room for error in certain ways. Yeah. Department of Justice, they scrubbed... Islam references from transcripts mm. of the Orlando terrorists. Well, then they changed it back. Though. Then they changed it back. Yeah. But the idea is, is that at the time, they decided to remove different parts of the transcript, including the oath of loyalty to ISIS or anything that could be considered religious justifications of the attack. Because people would model it? Well, because they didn't want to further the propaganda is what they said. Because they don't want tape of him making these assertions of allegiance to the Islamic State being set up. Right. They don't want to disperse that any further than they need to. Right. Uh, Literally, they don't want to confirm that the motives happened to be because of wanting to be a part of ISIS versus him being someone who is conflicted because of his gay background. Right. Which is the story they're trying to say tell is that he's gay. Mm-hmm. Uh, though I've heard a lot of people even mention that he was pretending to be gay mm-hmm. with his wife even knowing about it. So that he could learn about the culture and the club and get a map. Because even his wife would drive him to various places. So that they could pick up weapons and all kinds of other elements. Mm-hmm. Just just a little bit too much. It's kind of crazy. But the, uh, literally, the DOJ is trying to remove the radical Islam angle from anyone's perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I don't um, know. I don't know if any of this is actually going to solve things. I feel like it's just making people feel better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and they're saying this isn't the first time that the White House has done something like this. Yeah. They're saying that in April, French President 
actually referenced Islamist terrorism, which was left out of an official White House video during an international summit that took place in Washington, wow. D.C. That's crazy. And the White House later reported that the reason for the news outlets dropping at that moment was a technical issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just yes. at the moment that the word Islamist terrorism was likely. being said, the feed went out. So not likely. Yep. Nice try. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a little bit much. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I guess we should just move on in that case. Yeah. If you're looking to save money, you can actually save it by tracking what's mm -hmm. going on in supermarkets. I'm hearing noises. You got that? Yeah. Okay. Oh. Yeah, you shouldn't be hearing any noises. No, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> hearing voices. I don't know. Maybe there are voices. Sometimes there are noises, dings, bings, it happens. But you can save bundles by actually tracking supermarket sales cycles. Mm -hmm. So essentially, what they're encouraging is to chart what happens when you go to a grocery store. Well, you mean when prices lower? No. Oh. Just to chart every week once a week what is going on as far to be as able things to that discover you, sales cycles the things that you buy all the time right yeah because the thing is is most people shop using an autopilot format right and as a result they overpay mm -hmm. because at one point the price was really low, it was on sale, you bought it, you enjoyed it, you want it during times when the price is higher, you pay the price because you enjoyed it, not realizing that you're being overpriced. Well, also, like, there are certain things that you buy all the time. Right. And, um, you know, when you run out, you're going to buy more, buy it in bulk, or whatever you're going to do. Right. But what they're saying is, is that consumers that want to save money, especially because we may or may not be heading into a recession. Mm -hmm. I think we already are in a recession, to be honest. Yeah. But that there's a seasonal cycle mm -hmm. where seasonal seals take place. Yeah. So let's use canned pumpkin. When will that be cheaper? Right around Thanksgiving. October. Right. For example, chocolate sells for less money in February. Mm -hmm. But then there are seasonal items that go on sale during months that you wouldn't expect. An example of a seasonal item is oatmeal. Mm -hmm. When do you think that would be? Winter. So January in this case. Okay. And peanut butter. Peanut butter, I have no idea. September. Random. Maybe because of, well, I was going to say the start of school, but you're not allowed to bring peanut butter to school anymore. Right. You're not allowed to bring peanut butter to school. Unless it's just an instinctive thing? No. The thing is, is during the summer, the kids that can't eat peanut butter can eat peanut butter during the summer. Right. They're not in school. <clears throat> Their parents yeah, can make September, it Yeah, but September they're back in school. 
which is why peanut butter goes on sale. Okay, because people aren't buying it anymore. People aren't buying it anymore. They have to clear the shelves so of the peanut butter. So all this. I remember being a kid and like that was all you ate was peanut butter sandwiches. Right. But essentially... The whole lunchroom reeked of peanut butter sandwiches. But essentially they're encouraging you to stock up on peanut butter in September. Yeah. Because that's when it's going to be at its lowest price. Mm -hmm. Which is tough to do to be able to stock up on items. Yeah. In addition, there's what's known as rotational sales. And the cycle is typically to rotate a shelf every 6 to 12 weeks. Mm -hmm. <coughs> what do you Excuse mean by me? rotate a shelf? So, rotating <coughs> a shelf means... Let's say, for example, you have pasta on the shelf. Yeah. The pasta has been there for six weeks. Right. It hasn't been touched. Mm -hmm. It goes on sale so that the new pasta can come in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Be because instead of sending it back to the manufacturer, right. they need to get it just out of there. They're not going to throw it in the garbage can, mm -hmm. but they can get customers to help them clear the shelves mm -hmm. and maybe if that customer gets hooked on the sale item they might pay the full price later yeah i can see that so they said a way of doing it is to make a list of the top items that you most often buy at a store mm -hmm. and then track those <coughs> prices every week mm. yeah and they said, uh, in some cases, even grab a circular if there's one around, because that will then help you with that, of mm -hmm. seeing what's on sale, and you can mark those down as well. Uh, we don't necessarily do that, so we, don't uh, we can't track what's going yeah. on on sale. But they'll say, if you're doing it right... Mm -hmm. After six or, or, or around 12 weeks, depending upon when you start, you're going to start to notice that there's going to be a point where the price is going to drop down noticeably lower than the other weeks. That's the day in the chart that you now know is part of the cycle. And if you find that this takes place every six weeks, that the price goes down, you now know to purchase that product only when that six-week sale period takes place. Mm -hmm. And literally, you're figuring out the numbers. Right. The problem is each item has its own cycle based upon when it was first introduced on the shelf. Mm -hmm. So it's very tough to find. It's tough to keep track of, Right. Well, the thing is, is last time we went grocery shopping, we looked at the sales and we noticed the day that we were there happened to be when the item had its sale begin. And it mentioned when the sale was ending was a week later, which technically means during this week, they are clearing out that item from the shelf so they can bring in an item that maybe has an expiration date that's longer. Mm hmm because if the items are still there, they have to toss it. Right. So, in that case, that's why we're at least trying to track what the various prices 
Well, the best we can. In the best way that we can. But it's different also. Like, I mean, I don't know what other people are like. We do tend to buy the same things over and over again. Right. We buy a lot of staples and make them into things instead of buying ready-made things. But I get the sense a lot of people don't do that, and it would maybe be more difficult that way. I don't know. But the idea they're saying, like, for example, Whole Foods has the case deal where you get 10% off. Right. So essentially, if you figure out when the item is on sale by tracking, okay, this is the week when it's on sale, instead of getting one or two of the item because it's a staple... That's when you get 12 of that item. Right, and then you get the case discount too. And you get the case discount on top of it. Yeah. But, and and that's when you use coupons or whatever. You just have to be strategic with all these different deals that are taking place. So that's all. They're just saying be aware. Mm -hmm. Rhode Island officials are asking the public to report turkey sightings. Of course. Yeah. Just so they can keep track of it. Right. I mean, I was lucky enough to actually witness, while heading into Boston, a row of turkeys that was used in the crosswalk. Oh, we see turkeys all the time. Yeah, they were lined up. No one wanted to cross. With the little turkey kids and the parent turkey in the back. Just kind of shooing them across the street. Turkeys are funny. There they was crack. one day a few weeks ago where we were going for a walk. There's this little path right next to where we live that's, you know, just cuts through some trees to the main road. And um, so, you know, this is maybe like an eight foot wide piece of woods with a little path in the middle. And it was a turkey hiding in the brush, like a good four feet away from us or something. Yeah. I don't know funny they're very funny birds this one hits home young adults skipping starter homes yeah <laughs> surprise yeah yeah this one always gets to us i don't even know how to begin to explain this it's tough with this generation because on top of everything else like i think a lot of us experience this sense of you know not uh, of impermanence really right um that you can try to set yourself up as much as you want in an apartment, but, you know, you, because that's what this generation can afford. Right. Because our parents are keeping the houses. So, you know, you set yourself up in, in this apartment, and no matter how organized you are, it's like you you don't know where you're going to be five years from there. In, in reality, you just don't. Right. You know, you're planning to be there, but you're at somebody else's, you know, mercy. They're saying over 50% told researchers that they can't afford a home or the type of home that they really want. Right. And uh, they want to wait until they can buy a dream home and the home they can grow old in. There's even services out there where you can actually pay to have all your mail sent to a warehouse where they'll actually scan your mail so you can look at them via email so that you can have an address that follows you as you move from rental property to rental property. Crazy. Yeah, it's just never ending. But that's the idea. I mean, I have nothing against rental properties, and we've been renting for a few years now. But I have to say, I mean, you know, it depends if you get a good landlord or a bad landlord, right? And, uh, you know, what your state's requirements are as far as how many people can live there and everything. Mm -hmm. It can get very complicated. Yeah. 
No, they're saying the the craziest part is the housing market is really hot right now with listing prices up 9% nationally from one year ago. We noticed that there was this place that we had looked at, you know, a long time ago, right after we got married. We, we just happened to see this condo, right? Yeah. We're like, let's take a look at it. And um, it was going for like 300000 It was recently put up again on the market for like 600000 to a million. Mm-hmm. It's like in the span of, you know, two, three years. It's crazy. I know. We could barely afford it at 500000 At 300000 300000 yeah. I'm sorry. I forgot the... Yeah. 300000 And just the idea that if we had the money to pay for that 300000 piece of property, we would be... We'd have a million right now. Right. It's crazy. I, I, I still can't fathom that. Yeah, never mind that, but just the... You know, that, that these things change so quickly. Yeah. So dramatically. But literally, they're saying that around 30% of homes are being sold to first-time buyers, when historically it would be trending more around 40%. Right. And that's according to the National Association of Realtors. Mm-hmm. So, as a result... It's kind of strange because older generations are now buying smaller homes and moving They're basically as mov- their family grew. They're basically moving into the homes that, you know, this sort of up-and-coming generation would be moving into first. Right. But, like as in your so- so-called starter home. But also the older generation used to buy a starter home. Mm-hmm. And then would sell the starter home and then would move into a larger, larger, larger until they were in their final home. Right. Uh, This generation would prefer to just buy their home and be done with it. And probably because they're so tired of moving around. Yeah. And also I think there's a sense right now of, um, you know, if you find a place, you just got to grab it and keep it. Yeah. The, the realtors actually created a term for uh, our generation. Mm-hmm. The one and done. Yeah. Which they're saying is going to kill the market. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with loan student debts, et cetera, et cetera. No, no one can bad. afford this. Right. Yeah, so... Pretty much what they're predicting is that once this generation retires, that's when they'll finally be able to purchase their first home. Right. And at that point, it's like, kind of, what's the point? What's the point? But, I mean, at the same time, you get your privacy, quote-unquote. And literally, realtors are now restructuring themselves, trying to figure out how to market um, in the future this is the home that you will spend the end of your life in. Right, which is just depressing. Right. (laughs) So, like, go wild. Get whatever you need to enjoy the last moments of your life. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd rather just buy a home and be done with it, but I know the market tells me that if we do that, we're bankrupt. Right. I mean, I've investigated this. Yeah. We have friends that have uh, bought homes. I don't know how well they're doing. Right. I mean, it's their finances, etc., but 
they have to deal with any problems or repairs or right. uh, taxes and mm-hmm. it's probably not fun for them. Yeah. 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 Uh, speaking of uh, banning, uh, Homeland Security wants to get into their own ban. Which means no using the word Sharia or Jihad uh-huh. to try to steer millennials away from ISIS. It's always the millennials they're trying to but protect, But, you know, I think way. this goes with everything else where if you squash it and you don't talk about it, people are going to be drawn to it more and more. Right. Because it becomes a cool thing. Right. And this is going to have the opposite effect of what they want. Yep. So... The department is going to stop using terms like Muslim American and the Muslim world, replacing it with American Muslims Mm -hmm. and Muslim communities. Yeah. Saying that that's more appropriate. And they're asking for $100 million to be used to fund the effort. Where are they going to get that money? Uh, I don't know, but they're going to pay experts and create social media programming and technology to steer millennials away from terrorist recruiters by changing the conversation. Haven't they already tried to do this? Yeah. Maybe if they, you know, make this country more functional for, for people, you know, they won't feel the need to be drawn to such things. Yeah. It's just one of those weird situations. I don't know what to say about this one, but the Florida rabbi that protested Donald Trump at APAC lost his job. Yeah. Yeah. Weren't they saying it was, like, supposedly not related to the fact that he did that, but... That's what they quote quote, claim. Everybody's like, yeah, right. Right, everybody's saying, uh-huh, sure, that's that's exactly why the board decided not to renew the contract for that rabbi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's very different. Even an Orthodox synagogue mentioned that Trump isn't about politics, but rather confronting an existential threat to our world. Yeah. I agree. Uh, Actually, the Orthodox... Oh my, I didn't even hear about this. The Orthodox rabbi, so he didn't... There was a big problem with the whole APAC protest where a lot of people who would have participated didn't because the reform movement ended up being the major control control instigators of the program. Mm -hmm. But it looks like um, this guy named Shmuel, who's a rabbi of Washington, D.C. Orthodox Synagogue, was escorted out of the arena during Trump's speech because he took out a talus, he took out a prayer shawl, and wrapped it around him, denouncing the candidate as wicked. Mm-hmm. So he didn't walk out, but he was escorted out, but I, I don't even remember hearing any of this. No. I'm surprised. Yeah. Especially, it's interesting that APAC had to apologize because Trump 
happened to make fun of Obama. Mm. Which a lot of people at APAC were not happy about the apology. Mm -hmm. <coughs> because the thing is, is that the members of APAC actually applauded. Mm -hmm. And, I don't know. It's just more craziness in our world, right? Uh, the, the worst part is, is a gun shop owner alerted the FBI about the Orlando terrorists prior to the attack that took place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But there wasn't anything that they could do about it, right? Is that what you said? Um, yeah. What yeah, was pretty, the reason pretty much. Uh, well, the thing is, is that the gun shop owner actually declined selling to the customer because the customer raised suspicion by requesting high-grade body armor. Well, this is the first gun the shop. The first gun there, shop. The first one declined and the second one had to do it. The second one felt like they had to do it. Even uh, though they were also suspicious. Right. Uh, that's typically used by law enforcement. Uh-huh. Yeah. The, the armor. Right. So the young man left empty-handed, and then the shop alerted the FBI, but because the sale wasn't made, the shop wasn't able to check the man's ID, and the authorities couldn't work with the shop. Mm. Because it's like, there was no sale that took place. Right. So as a result, the police couldn't do anything. It's kind of like how we got the fraud, but because essentially the fraud is at zero, there's not much anybody can really do about it, Besides except help, catching the help other people. Right. Right. It's just one of those weird situations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just... Adding to our crazy, wonderful society, a woman was verbally attacked for committing the treacherous act of breastfeeding in a Target store. Yeah. Yeah. It gets to me is everybody's into right now being so accepting of other people and, you know, just fearing, you know, fearing any um, discrimination or anything. And yet, people who are doing sort of like normal human things like that are the ones who are getting the brunt of it. Yeah. Or like that dad we were talking about who took his kids into the bathroom. Right, which we talked about. Like everything is flipped show. on its head, yeah. Yeah, the, the man was asking angrily, can't you do that somewhere else? In which the mother had to respond that she had the right to breastfeed her child and that the man should walk away. Mm -hmm. And the man then brings over <clears throat> a Target employee asking for a refund of his purchase after witnessing the breastfeeding and accuses the mother of being disrespectful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, then you could hear on the video the mother saying, because I'm feeding my baby, this man is going crazy and I'm shaking. Yeah. And then at some point, another customer comes to her aid and tells her that feeding her baby is actually a beautiful moment. This then initiated a line of Target employees that appeared, which separated 
the mother from the man. And one employee gestured toward the man, asking him to leave. Mm -hmm. And the best part is, is that Connecticut law protects women choosing to breastfeed in public. Along with that, Target has a corporate pol policy that allows breastfeeding in its stores. Right. And essentially... There was no arrest made or no... There was nothing they could do about it. Mm -hmm. But just another story of fun at a Target yeah. <laughs> in today's society. I know. My brain's kind of fizzled. Yeah. How many more stories do you have? Let me see. I told you, we, we have I a know. lot. Here, I I'll go, I'm, just, I'll, I'm just getting boring because I'm like falling asleep here. I know. Well, you're also finishing peeling a lot no, of garlic. No, I have like two more heads after this. I don't know why it's taking me so long. I think I'm so tired in the first place. Oh, no. But it's got to get done. Well, we're getting through the stories and I know. the other things. We're almost done. I know. Here, we'll go through this fast. Uh, young people are abandoning restaurants for an unexpected place. In this case, it happens to be grocery stores that serve food. Because they're less expensive? Less expensive and healthy. Yeah. Right. And they, Healthier. Right. Healthier. Depending upon what you think. Right. Uh, here's something that'll wake you up. What? A moose got loose. I thought we already talked about this. Oh, did we? We did. We didn't talk about what happened to moose, though. That's exactly me... what we're about to talk Ugh, about. I don't like talking about this. Well, pretty much the animal was struck. By a car. By a car. Driver wasn't hurt. Of course, that's what they mention. And there's a really sad picture of the moose on the road. No, I don't like this. Yeah, moving <coughs> on. Uh, speaking about people eating in non-restaurants and eating at places like Whole Foods and other things. Whole Foods is actually getting warning letters from the FTA about their food. Yeah. Yeah. So Food Drug Administration <laughs> found serious violations after inspecting Whole Food food preparation facility in Everett, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so that, <clears throat> that kind of happened. Uh, let's see. Dogs have beer. I think I also saw somewhere that they came up with something for cats, too. Oh, cats have beer as well, or apparently. Something. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's the, what I always, I, I always wondered about these things is whether they even know that that's what they're doing. You know, whether the dogs even know they're drinking beer. Oh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's not something that they naturally drink. No matter how healthy it is, you right. know, it's not something that dogs naturally drink. Yeah, well, this is called Woof and Brew, mm -hmm. made by Britain, of course. <coughs> mm -hmm. It's probably going to get terrorists on it, okay. now with Brexit. Never know. Yeah. And, yeah, that's kind of fun. Uh, some people who are on terrorist lists can buy guns, and Democrats are trying to capitalize on it. They had a ma major sit-in that took place in Washington. Normally, no one would care. But they utilize Periscope along with other Social live media. streams like Facebook Live so that they could get their message across. Mm. Because mm. typically, if the cameras are shut down and C-SPAN doesn't have access to it, 
it doesn't matter what type of setting they're performing, the people will not see it. Right. So that was went for 25 hours. And definitely available out there on social media if you want to watch it. It's just a lot to watch. Yeah. Uh, 136 mass shootings have taken place in the last 164 days. That's ridiculous. Yep. <clears throat> in this country. Yep. And the problem is the last three deadliest shootings that have taken place in the U.S. occurred in the past 10 years. And one has the greater chance of dying in a mass shooting if they're at school or work. Mm -hmm. Not really anywhere else, but just yeah. school or work. Um, in addition, the shooters take their own lives or are killed at some point during the process, which is around 70%. Okay, I think I got everything working. It just, um, my device just stopped working for a second, but mm -hmm. I think I got everything working. But yeah, as we, as we were saying, it's kind of crazy with all the mass shootings that happen. Mm -hmm. And yeah, pretty much it. I have uh, two more stories. Okay. And then I think we can call it night. Yeah. Because I think you're pretty much at the point oh, that I'm you're like... almost done. With the garlic. I'm not exactly almost done, but I'm pretty much sleep-talking right now, and I don't know what's coming out of my mouth, so... Well, sleep-talking's entertaining. No, not for me. No. City are thinking about dumping parking officers going more high-tech. Mm. Yeah. More jobs gone. More away. jobs gone. Yeah. yeah. They're going to use cameras to enforce parking restrictions... So instead of the famous orange ticket on your car, your parking fine will just arrive to you in your inbox. Great. Yep. And then finally, McDonald's serves dishes all around the world. That's very vague, Avram. Can you please explain that a little more? Yeah. For example, Japan... They're launching a contest that awards the winner an 18-karat golden chicken nugget, which is valued at $2,000. All right, and that's fine, but that's not that was not the main interest of the story. The main interest was that, like, you know, in some countries, you're finding a lot of vegetables on their menu. Right. Like, a lot of, sort of, like, really, like, you know, distinctly cultural vegetable dishes, because that's what people are buying there. Or, like, in some countries, you'll be able to buy, like, fried corn or something. Right, so example, Japan, you'll find that their McNuggets are made of tofu. Right. With minced white fish, tofu, vegetables, edamame, soybeans, and carrots. Right, because that's what people will buy. Right. Yeah. So, that just happens to be, be an example. Mm-hmm. And... The thing is, is that McDonald's restaurants in Japan, they constantly run out of fries because there's a potato <laughs> shortage that was sparked by a labor dispute <coughs> at the ports of the west coast of the U.S. Hmm. So, as a result, you would find it very hard to actually order fries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
and there's all kinds of different versions of meals that are out there. For example, in Turkey, they will have a breakfast plate, which consists of egg, tomatoes, feta cheese, cucumbers, berries, toast, honey. So you might not even realize you're at a fast food chain. And in France, you would find yourself with what appears to be a grilled ham and cheese sandwich. I guess that's gourmet. Mm. Yep. In Canada, they have a lobster roll. In Chile, they have empanadas. Mm -hmm. Hong Kong has pasta with sausage and egg in it. But it's only served during breakfast. Mm -hmm. And in Hong Kong, Singapore, and other Asian countries, they'll actually serve you a cup of plain corn, or you could get corn soup. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's literally a picture of a McDonald's so why cup is with it, corn soup. <clears throat> so why is it that in America the food is so bad for you? Because Americans <laughs> will Don't buy yeah. the bad food, right. where these other countries will not spend their money on it. Yeah. Like, that's the whole thing. It's like in Morocco, they'll end up having a ground beef sandwich with onion, cumin, and coriander. Mm -hmm. And it's actually marketed as the McArabia. Interesting. Yeah. And then they have mole for Spanish and, and Mexican snack in Mexico. Uh -huh. And yeah, America's stuck with all the fat. Of course. Well, not just that, but everything else. Yeah, exactly. Alright, so we pretty much went two hours tonight. Two hours? I wonder I'm so tired. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is what happens when we just miss a couple of weeks of stories. We have to make up for all of it, but thank you everybody for making it through. If they made it through. If you even made it through. I didn't make it through. If you didn't make it through, I don't know if they actually I made don't it through. Well, you have what, one more thing of garlic I'm left? I have like one and a half. One and a half? I should not be peeling garlic right now. It's oh. already 12.30. It's, it's 12.30. Yeah, I guess and I we should. walked 12 miles today. I think it's 12 miles. That's what you told me. I'm checking right now because, I mean, I walked a little bit more after the 12 miles, so I'm checking to see how many miles we walked. Oh, it's reporting we walked zero miles. That's because it's a new day. Oh, no. That's awful. Sorry. Well, I can see what the final total is. Alright, here we go. Final total of miles walked is not showing up. That's really sad. I try and, oh, I typed in the wrong word. All right, here we go. The final total is 12.01 miles. Yay. 
Yay. For a total of 23,572 steps. Oh my gosh. That's, what That's happens. why my feet are tired. That's why your feet are tired. That's what happens when you visit the USS Constitution. <laughs> and Bunker Hill. Perks of Boston. Yeah. Yeah, so... Yay! That's exciting! Yay! Alright. We bored everybody enough, I imagine. Yes. So, essentially, if you want to have a day walking around Boston, enjoying things that you wouldn't otherwise enjoy, I guess you should always listen to your wife. Yes, you should. Yes. We'll see you next time.